This is State of Water. This is State of this Water. This is State of Water. This is State of Water. State of Water coming at you right now. State of Water, a podcast focusing on clean water issues and their relationship to policy, equity, community, and climate. Featuring captivating interviews with Michiganders from many walks of life, State of Water is the official podcast of the Clean Water Campaign for Michigan, a program of the nonprofit organization Title Track. Hey, this is Jenny from Title Track. If you resonate with what you're about to hear, put those feelings into action. Take the first step toward getting involved by going to titletrackmichigan.org slash contact to sign up for our mailing list. Welcome back, folks. Thanks for tuning in. In this episode, we get a window into the world of Melissa DeSimone, the executive director of the Michigan Lakes and Streams Association. MLSA is a nonprofit, statewide organization dedicated to the preservation, protection, and wise management of Michigan's vast treasure of inland lakes and streams. They achieved their mission by supporting riparian associations, as well as the collective and individual educational, stewardship, and conservation initiatives of their members, which include lake associations, concerned citizens, commercial and nonprofit businesses, as well as public and private collaboration partners. In our interview, Melissa shares the journey of how she found this work and how the organization empowers Michigan residents to take the health of our inland lakes and streams into their own hands. Here to introduce Melissa is Seth Bernard. Melissa, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Seth. Absolutely. So it's a big year. This is the the 60th year of the Michigan Lakes and Streams Association, the MLSA. So I'd love to hear from you just a little bit of history about the organization and, and how and why it was formed. Yeah. So back in the 60s, there was a small group of lakes that got together and there was a a professor at MSU um, Humphreys and he got some lakes together and they discovered when they got together that they had a lot of similarities. And I am speaking especially about people who are living um, on that inland lake. um, And, you know, obviously our organization encompasses uh, streams and rivers as well. So people who are living on these freshwater resources, you know, it, it, 
it's a great privilege and a great responsibility to be in that position um, in close proximity to that water. And uh, people care. They really care about the water, the quality of the water. And so, you know, back in 1961, when they got together, you know, they had a revelation that they had a lot of similar issues. You know, it, it, it didn't matter where they were in the state. Their lakes may be different, uh, but they had a lot of issues that they could learn from each other and help each other with some best practices and um, ways to protect their water. Um, so that started the Michigan Lakes and Streams Association um, with the mission of preserving and protecting Michigan's inland water. So, you know, we love our Great Lakes and I, Michigan is defined by the Great Lakes, um, but our focus is on the inland waters and those freshwater resources. Beautiful. It's so great because there's so many organizations working on the Great Lakes, which is wonderful, but you don't find as many working on the inland lakes and streams. And, and there are so many, obviously, you know, Minnesota is known as the land of 10,000 lakes, but we have more than 10,000 here. Yeah. I mean, and it depends upon what you consider, a la- how big you consider a lake. So there is some debate when you talk with Minnesota about what defines a lake, um, but we do often tell people that we have more like 11,000 lakes in Michigan. So like I said, up for debate. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot either way for both both states. And yeah, and a huge responsibility. And so there's a there's an expression, a a word for someone who lives on the water. And it's also the name of your your quarterly magazine. Mm -hmm. Can you share that and a little bit about the magazine? Yes, it's a riparian actually. And to be very accurate, a riparian is actually technically someone who lives on a river. Um, To have riparian rights, it would originally be considered specifically for a river. But we use riparian now, you know, how language evolves all the time. And we use riparian in a very um, general term for anyone who lives on the water. And, you know, I mean, the, the rights you have to that water as a riparian, there's a very specific area of law for that. Um, and so we get, a, you know, we get a lot of questions about that too, you know, because there are things you can and cannot do and the water itself is public, but then, you know, the bottom lands and the property. Um, so there's, there's a fine line you walk there too. Yeah, absolutely. So can you tell me a little bit about the collaborative work that you do? You, you work with a lot of partner organizations, and I've found that that's something that's really strong in Michigan through a lot of different sectors. I'm a musician, so we see a lot of collaboration and cooperation in the musical community. And then in the water community, so many organizations working together. So can you uh, tell us a little bit about your partners and the kind of projects that you do collaboratively? Absolutely. So um, in our organization as Michigan Lakes and Streams Association, we sort of represent those individual property owners or the groups of people that have formed their own association uh, around a body of water. And so that is our, those are our people that we try to support and educate and represent. And then we also then work with other organizations and agencies throughout the state. And I actually Right before you and I met, I was at the Michigan Inland Lakes Partnership meeting. We have a quarterly meeting, and that includes 
um, representation from the Michigan Department of Natural Resources in their Fishery and Wildlife Division and their Parks and Rec Division. We also meet, uh, we had people from the Michigan Department of Eagle, which is Environment, Great Lakes and Energy. It used to be the DEQ, um, but now they're referred to as Eagle. And we have people we work with from the Water Resources Division of that agency, as well as the Aquatic Invasive Species Program. You know, so we have we have lots of partners within the agencies. Um, we also work very closely with MSU, and I mentioned um, when I talked about our history that we, you know, our, our organization goes back uh, to the beginning, uh, working with MSU. Um, and right now, we are in partnership with MSU for a program called MyCore which is uh, technically owned by Eagle. So it's Eagle's program. And we are subcontractors with MSU, Michigan State University for MyCore, which stands for the Michigan Clean Water Corps. And the Michigan Clean Water Corps is a voluntary water monitoring program. And our organization works with people um, in the the part of that that's called CLMP, which stands for Cooperative Lakes Monitoring Program. And we coordinate volunteers who go out onto their lakes and test their waters. They test for phosphorus and clarity and chlorophyll. And um, so they, they do all of these, uh, all of these tests. It's, you know, it's, it's citizen science. And this is in Michigan, this program, um, it has morphed over time but it is one of the oldest volunteer monitoring programs in the country um, that we, so we have data that goes back to the mid seventies from lakes who have been monitoring their their water um, for all this time. And so uh, we have a long history of working with this program. And the other half of that is stream monitoring. So there's also stream monitoring. And the thing that's most unique or kind of exciting about this is that you know, we train all of these volunteers, these people volunteer their time to monitor this water. We provide training for them and the data is, is very reliable um, because of the parameters that we have. And so that data is, it's open, it's out there, people can access it and they can see the quality of water in the lakes um, and the streams and how it's changed over time and the agencies use it and um, other people can use it to, to help, you know, make decisions about how best to um, protect that water. So that's a really exciting program. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I was curious though, so if a citizen does discover contaminants in their water, what steps do they take from there? What we focus on in this program is um, general parameters that would um, that would give you an overall picture of the health of that water body. We don't right now test for, for example, like harmful algal blooms, um, the cyanobacteria, which that's come up more and more as those uh, blooms happen and the water is very toxic. Um, we, we don't have, volunteers don't test for PFAS. Um, you know, that takes a little bit more testing. Uh, so we, we don't quite go into those things that would need 
some sort of immediate attention. It's more that we have these we have these pictures of the overall quality of that water. Um, and Eagle does use that information to decide which lakes they um, need to you know pay more attention to or that they need to do more study on. Um, the lakes themselves can also use that data because oftentimes um, the the association of people, who live around that lake are responsible for the maintenance of that lake. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there may be um, a lot of phosphorus loading in that lake. There may be a lot of aquatic invasive species, and that association is usually responsible then for making the changes or pursuing remediation for that water. There's definitely support from DNR and Eagle, um, but there's a lot that rides on the association to do those things, which is why we work with these organizations and why we have programs to help the lake associations and the stream associations to monitor their water and have the support they need to make the decisions that they need to, to maintain good water quality. Awesome. And do you work throughout the whole state of Michigan? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have members all throughout the state of Michigan, um, and, and we are, we're a nonprofit organization, a 501c3, um, but we do, our support comes from memberships and subscriptions to our magazine. Um, so lake associations, stream associations join us. We also have individual members as well. Um, and they're th- all throughout the state. So like I said, all the way up into the UP and down to Southern Michigan all around. Fantastic. So there was one more partnership that I was going to mention, um, and that's the Michigan Natural Shoreline Partnership. So, you know, we talk about these problems that you can perceive in the water quality when you've been doing testing. And so then, um, you know, kind of enter the Michigan Natural Shoreline Partnership, which is another group of people or organizations like MLSA and Eagle and um, other organizations who are interested in making sure that everyone is using what we call best management practices to protect water. And so that is another really big piece of what we do. Um, I would say that it's it's pretty paramount um, to help educate people who live near the water to make sure that they're using practices for maintaining their property that are going to help the water quality instead of, you know, causing runoff. Um, So if, if you're using a lot of fertilizer near your, on your lawn and you live on a lake that can cause phosphorus um, loading in your lake. And that is bad for water quality. Um, So, you know, we try to, to help people see that living, living on a lake comes with some additional responsibilities and how to maintain your property so that it's best for the lake. And natural shorelines is one of the biggest ways that you can protect your lake because it, it offers a buffer between civilization, streets, and and your roof um, for that water to get filtered before it goes into the lake because it needs to uh, it needs to be as clean as possible before it gets in there. Absolutely, thank you. <laughs> yeah, this is fantastic work. Um, so I'm curious to hear from you about the biggest challenges in your work. Um, it's big. It's uh, geographically, you know, a very large area that you're working in. And it's an interesting space to be in, you know, working with private citizens, encouraging them to, 
you know, focus on our responsibilities to each other, to the water. So it's great work that you're doing. I'm curious to hear about the biggest challenges. Well, I will take that in two ways. So I will tell you that the issues that I would say are facing waterfront property owners. So if you're someone who lives on a lake or Mm -hmm. a stream, and you know, what are you most concerned about? Mm -hmm. You're concerned about aquatic invasive species. We hear about some invasive species, usually it's terrestrial plants or um, sometimes insects like the emerald ash borer. Um, You know, we hear about those, but there is a specific set of invasive species that we are concerned about in the waterways. And they came from the same place. Um, They came from Europe or Asia. Um, A lot of times the aquatic ones came through the Great Lakes and then have been transferred to the inland waters. Um, So, you know, the more boat traffic we see come through, um, the more aquatic invasive species we see in inland lakes, and then they have to be treated. And then, you know, those decisions have to be made. And a lot of times it's the local people who live on the lake who have to make those decisions and try to help reduce the infestation, we'll say. So I would say that that's one of the biggest things uh, that's facing a waterfront property owner. Um, And obviously they're concerned about the water quality as well. But then I would say for myself, as executive director of this legacy organization, um, this has many years of working with lakes and supporting people. Um, For me, it's trying to touch people's hearts and minds. Lakefront property owners, they love their water. They care about their water. Um, But usually, you know, someone has come from somewhere else and they maybe lived in a suburb somewhere or, you know, in a town like Kalamazoo where I am right now. And there is a certain standard of, you know, it's almost a style of yard maintenance that everyone is very comfortable with and has grown up with. And there's sort of a standard there. And the way that we currently manicure our yards is, is just not, it's not good for water. And, you know, there's a overuse of fertilizer. And honestly, many yards in Michigan don't even really need fertilizer because of our soil quality here. We don't, we don't need it. Um, So there's, there's fertilizers and there is a lack of native plants. And so, you know, not only does that affect the pollinator populations, but you know, it's all part of the ecosystem. And when you live near the water, those things are even more important than just, you know, worrying about, you know, living in a, in an urban environment. So yeah, for me, it's trying to help people see that what we've been taught to perceive as a beautiful yard is not necessarily the best decision. And that maybe we need to, we need to balance some function and form to make sure that we're doing what's best for uh, the ecosystem and the water quality. Thank you. Yeah, I hear that. So, you know, every hero has an origin story. And so I'm curious to know a little bit about how you got into this work. And if you had experiences maybe as a young person that brought you closer uh, to being in relationship with the water or maybe mentors, teachers. 
I actually, yeah, I actually was a teacher. Um, mm. I taught middle school science for about 10 years. And during that time, um, I met my husband and he lived up here in Michigan. I, I'm originally from Illinois, from like the Chicago suburbs. And he lived here in Michigan and his family had a lake house. And I, I had experience with going to other people's lake houses and I had been on the water and I enjoy water. So I, I was introduced that way just by visiting a lake. I mean, I remember the first few times that I would drive up to Michigan from Chicago and drive out to the lake and just how beautiful everything is. You know, I mean, coming from a suburban environment where, you know, it's, it's very built up and there's shopping malls and things to be able to drive through the countryside and, you know, see countless different types of animals and drive through forests and, and uh, roads with, you know, trees that touch on from either side um, and then to end up at a lake. I mean, it was just really beautiful. And um, I did teach in Michigan for a while. And, you know, I had a, a, a time when well, I had a son and I, I stayed home with my son. And then I started volunteering more and more with the Michigan Lakes and Streams Association and the Lake Association um, where our family uh, is it, we're we're from Gravel Lake, which is it's in Lawton, Michigan, which is in the southwest corner of the Lower Peninsula. And so I started doing that voluntarily, and it sort of blossomed into more and more work with us because you know I do have the science background. I mean, if you talk to any of my students, they would tell you that I was like this environmental crusader. <laughs> Um, teaching 11 year olds everything they needed to know to try to, you know, walk lightly on this earth and be sustainable. Um, we would talk about it all. And so, you know, I feel like I've traded in my, my work with 11 year olds to work with adults, um, who, you know, are making an impact right now. I mean, it's fun to work with kids because they're so enthusiastic and, you know, they're the future and that they're going to make the right decisions or, you know, at least you're exposing them to the things that you would think help them to make the right decisions. Um, but there's also something to be said with working with adults who right now can do the work you know, they can make the changes right now that would help that help to improve the water and protect the water for those children that will be using it in the future. Mm. So. Awesome. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for being a great science teacher and, uh, and then now a great executive director. My middle school and, and also my high school science teacher have had a huge effect on me. My high school science teacher is has become a dear friend and she comes to my shows. And yeah, teachers have such a p profound influence in, in uh, their approach. I mentioned that I'm a musician and I've been involved in artist-cause relationships for about 20 years um, through the Earthwork Music Collective. And I have found that most people involved in nonprofit work or activism have a really strong relationship with the arts. So I'm curious uh, about you personally, and then also about MLSA, if there's any, you know, particular collaborations with artists that uh, you have done, or if you personally lean into any specific type of music, maybe to give you a little boost if you're having an extra challenging day at work. Well, I, uh, you know, it, it's a very serious organization. I mean, not that music is not serious, but, you know, talking about it, it's very like, 
organization and working with local government and, mm-hmm. you know, very solution-based, solution-oriented, um, you know, but I really, I like the idea of, you know, cause I was, I was looking at what, you know, what you're doing with your, your clean water campaign um, and the idea of using stories and music to help kind of drive that, drive the motivation for the movement, I think is really, is really neat. And I think it would be a great, a great collaboration or a great uh, addition to the work that we do. Try to make us a little bit more uh, feeling as opposed to what like solution based, I guess. Mm. Um, So I do like that. And I would say for myself, I uh, probably wouldn't be able to tell by looking at me, but I really like metal music actually. Um, so I would let, I like to pull out some pretty heavy stuff, um, after a long day, but I, I am also pretty eclectic. So, you know, I mean, it's been pandemic times, but when it wasn't, my husband and I would go see the Kalamazoo Symphony Orchestra. Um, and I do like our local music here in Kalamazoo. We have the Crane Wives and, um, we have the Red Sea Pedestrians and I've seen them both live. So, um, I would say I probably, (laughs) it depends upon the day. I, uh, I'm all across the, all across the spectrum there. (laughs) That's awesome. So our podcaster is the drummer for the Crane Wives, actually, Dan oh, Rickabus. He ed- he's going to edit awesome. this interview, so he'll appreciate the All right, well, out. he'll hear that. He'll, yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's great. A lot of people, I think, miss that um, there's a lot of symmetry between classical music and metal. A lot of a lot of metal bands, metal guitar players study classical music, and there's like high-level composition going on there. Well, my gateway to metal music really was... Um, when Metallica did that symphony album because I was, you know, a band nerd and I played flute and I listened to classical music. And then when I heard that, I was like, well, this is, this is really cool. Cool. (laughs) So yeah. So that was my, that was sort of my gateway. (laughs) Cool. Awesome. Well, if there's any way that we can um, infuse your work with music, I'd be happy to. Yeah. I, I mean, when I was looking through your, your materials, I was like, you know, there's, I'm sure that there are great stories out there that waterfront people can share about their mm. histories. I mean, we, we feature those in our magazine. Um, every magazine or just about every magazine is usually based on a, a lake and they tell their story, mm. um, you know, their history or a project that they've been working on. Um, so I think it would be good to, to bring in some music as well. Awesome. So So just a couple more questions, Melissa. Um, We talked about challenges. I'd love to hear about things that you're proud of, you know, uh, victories, any stories that you'd like to share um, that are just, you know, emblematic of of the work. And you talk about working for solutions. You're working with, you know, all kinds of different entities, other nonprofits, you know, local uh, state government, um, you know, these lake associations. So it's, it's very, very dynamic work. And I'd love to hear about some of the the highlights from you. Yes. You know, um, every single year of our existence, I mean, even in 2020, I had to make some adjustments and we had a webinar series, but we have always had an annual conference. Um, 
And I find that to be definitely one of our highlights because it brings people together from all across the state. It brings people together for education. So there's speakers and they learn things, but, you know, to connect with those people over a meal, um, you know, that's what we've been missing, right? With this, with pandemic life, um, to connect with people, to meet people, to network with people uh, over a meal, especially people who you have things in common with, people that you can learn from, people who you share a love of water with. Um, you know, so that has always been a big highlight for us. Um, something else that we have done, and I am bringing it back, and it's it's coming back. Uh, we used to be really good about regional um, work. So people working within their region together. And that kind of, I, I kind of fell apart a little bit over, over time. Um, but lately we've been bringing that back and we have groups of lakes working together again. And it's really good to see, you know, the innovative and exciting things that come out of that in, uh, the northeastern part of the Lower Peninsula um, in Lake Sheboygan County, there is a group of lakes who are working really well together uh, about the aquatic invasive species. So they're trying to take a, um, a collaborative approach to fighting those uh, infestations. And, um, you know, there are a few lakes up in Grand Traverse County, actually, um, close to where you are, who put on a webinar series where they are committed to informing and bringing in speakers about issues that are important to their area. Um, and then, you know, where I'm from in the southwestern part of the state, we have the longest running region meeting. In fact, they even call themselves by the old name. It used to be the regions where they weren't very creative. They were just by numbers. And so in the Southwest corner, it was region three and they still call themselves that. And if I talk about the Southwest region, they're like, now, what is that? I'm like, that's you. It's region three. I just <laughs> <laughs> um, and that group has been getting together for a really long time. And, you know, they they come up with with creative ideas for informing their membership about, uh, you know, taking care of the lake and about things going on. And so, you know, I mean, there has been a lot of a lot of that personal connection that has been really important to this organization. Um, we've also published some materials. We have a couple of books that we've published. And as part of the Michigan Natural Shoreline Partnership, there is a shoreline stewards program. And you know people go through and they take an assessment and then we send them, um, we send them a, a sign to put up in their yard to celebrate their shoreline. So there's a lot of places where we've you know, had our, our successes. I think, you know, I, I know I already mentioned my core and the CLMP program with the water monitoring, but that is definitely one of our, our favorite programs as well. Awesome. Wow. Well, thank you so much. So in closing, how can people get involved with your organization? And if you have any calls to action that you'd like, like to lift up, um, the floor is yours. Sure. Um, well, I certainly, certainly encourage people to, when you're enjoying the water, I, I, obviously everyone should go and enjoy some water because water is an amazing, it, it's calming. 
it, it has so many positive effects on people. So, you know, everyone should enjoy the waters of Michigan, but we just ask that you enjoy them responsibly, that if you're out there on your kayaks or your boats, um, that you clean, drain, and dry so that we can stop the spread of those invasive species. Um, so that's, you know, that's definitely really important um, to try to try to keep those little, those, those pesky little plants from getting from one place to the other, the zebra mussels. And, you know, if you are interested in our publication, um, the Michigan Riparian Magazine, we have a spring issue coming out. We have articles that are going to be about microplastics and boat washing stations to help you do the clean draining and drying that you need to do. Um, You can subscribe to our magazine. Um, You can become a member. You can become a member as an individual. You don't have to be part of a a lake association and you can support the work that we do. Um, You can make a donation and you can do all those things on our website, which is mymlsa.org. So I'll spell that out. It's mymlsa.org. And also there, not everyone has the resources to, to contribute. You can sign up for our newsletter. And that goes out about monthly, sometimes a little bit more often um, if there's an issue that's come up. And um, that's free. And we just put you on our our list and send you updates about events and educational opportunities and resources that that are good for water. We're also on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. If you follow us on YouTube, we have lots of videos. Um, Anytime we have a webinar or a, you know, our, our last annual conference was virtual, all of those sessions on various topics are all recorded um, and available for people to view. So, Melissa Simone, Executive Director of the Michigan Lakes and Streams Association, mymlsa.org, mymlsa.org. Thank you so much That's for your correct. time and keep up the good work. Well, you too, Seth. I will uh, definitely be enjoying some more of your music. Thank you so much. <laughs> Looking forward to staying connected and collaborating. State of Water is powered by the Clean Water Campaign for Michigan. This campaign represents an opportunity to help place clean water issues front and center by partnering with environmental organizations across the state, by educating voters, and by urging every candidate running for public office to make a strong stand on critical issues affecting Michigan's waters. Using storytelling and music events across the state to amplify the groundswell of public support for clean water issues, This campaign is driven by Michiganders from all walks of life who share a similar priority, protection of our water. Both State of Water and the Clean Water Campaign are programs of the Michigan-based nonprofit Title Track. Their mission, engaging creative practice to build resilient social ecological systems that support clean water, racial equity, and youth empowerment. We've got more inspiring interviews coming at you in this brand new season, so stay tuned.